0: please be seated. If you have your copy of God's Word with you this morning, I do invite you to begin turning to Genesis 27. As we pick up where we left off last week, we'll start in verse 30 this morning. If you are visiting with us today, we welcome you. We are so glad to have you with us. We have been walking through the book of Genesis, and we find ourselves here at the latter half of chapter 27. Chapter 27, of course, is dealing with the blessing of Isaac's children. You've got Jacob, you've got Esau. The Lord spoke to Rebekah, Isaac's wife, and said, the younger shall serve or rule over the older. The older shall serve the younger. Setting up a stage in which Jacob, though he be the younger son, would be the one to rule in the house. But when it came time for the blessing at the end of Isaac's life, he was adamant, he was insistent to bless Esau. And he sought every opportunity to do so. And then we get a scene like we saw last week where everybody is seeking their own self-interest. Esau runs off to receive a blessing he does not deserve that God has said does not belong to him. His father, Isaac, is insistent that his oldest son will be blessed despite the Lord telling him otherwise. Rebecca, the wife and mother, his schemed and plotted and deceived her husband so that Jacob instead would be the one blessed. And then Jacob, he kind of goes along with whatever's convenient for him at the time, willing to lie, willing to engage in deception, to receive a blessing, claiming to be his brother. All throughout that, though, we saw, despite the deception and deceit, the, the trickery uh, and the ill will, God's will was done. Because Jacob was to be the son to be blessed. And so despite all of that, God's sovereign will is done. And yet we cannot live in sin, act in sin, carry out sin, and not expect consequences for our actions. And as um, one uh, commentator said, uh, the hens have come to roost this day. For now we start to see the consequences of those actions. Would you please follow along with me this morning as I continue in the Word of God from the book of Genesis chapter 27 starting in the 30th verse. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. He said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, "'Who are you?' He answered, "'I am your son, your firstborn, Esau.' Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, "'Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came and have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed.' As soon as Esau heard these words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, "'Bless me, even me also, O my father!' But he said, "'Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing.' Esau said, "'Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he had cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing.' Then he said, "'Have you not reserved a blessing for me?' Isaac answered and said to Esau, "'Behold, I have made him lord over you and all of his brothers. I have given to him as servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son?' Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother, Jacob. But the words of Esau, her oldest son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Iran." And stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Would you please bow with me as we seek His favor upon us in this time? Dear Heavenly Father, we can only see, hear, and truly understand Your Word by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray this day and this moment that You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of Your Word. Father, may this passage warn us against sin and the dangers of it. Father, may this passage speak to your sovereignty and your mercy despite our lack of deserving it. Father, I pray that you would use your word for the good of your people and for your own glory this day. I ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. I often believe that people choose to sin to get ahead in life, to seek some gain or seek comfort. And I think that sometimes we choose to sin because there will not be consequences for it, at least earthly, not earthly consequences. Um, they may not be visible. Sometimes we could argue that sin in our world today is promoted. It's encouraged. And when it is seen and when it is displayed, we look at them and go, that's good character That's the way to do things. That's how you do what needs to be done. But when those sins find a way to the light, to the surface, we become indignant. I can prove it to you. Have you ever gotten caught speeding? And your thought that day was not that I have sinned, but it's, why didn't He catch the ten people that passed me? Or, On that day that you get caught speeding, was your thoughts toward the wrong that you had done or the times that you were not speeding and were not rewarded or praised for it? You see, quite often we get comfortable in our sin. We get comfortable in our deception and we think it's okay until it comes to light and then we become indignant. What do you mean? Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Yes, I might have been doing wrong here, but here's the other times that I was doing right. How dare you judge me against this moment Well, what we have here is sin coming to light. In the first half of this chapter, despite the scheming of everyone involved, the Lord's plan goes forth. And today, yet again, despite everyone scheming to do that which is wrong, we see the plan of the Lord go forth. However, what we also see this morning is that sin comes at a cost. And quite often, it is sorrow and sadness and bitterness. Today, I want us to look at our passage critically, and I want us to see how sin does create bitterness and sorrow in our lives. And I also want us to see that if left unchecked, sin will always lead to greater and greater degrees of sin. And yet, despite these things which are true, I want us to conclude this morning by seeing how God plan will be fulfilled despite the scheming of man. God's plan will be fulfilled. And so would you follow along with me beginning with bitterness and sorrow. Our text opens up for us and we're talking mere moments. Isaac has blessed Jacob and what does it say? As soon as Isaac had finished, he had scarcely gone out From the presence of his father, Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. Now, let's think about that really quickly. God's providence is so precise, is so sure, is so down to the minute detail that whatever game Esau was hunting, it took that many moments more to catch it or to kill it. It took that many moments more to to cook it and to prepare it so that Isaac who is unwittingly fulfilling the will of the Lord, blesses Jacob. Jacob leaves and Esau arrives. Do you see how that only could have been wrought by the will and the hand of God? But what happens when all of that comes together, we get a bit of a train wreck, don't we? Isaac's confused. Esau shows up. Here I am, my father. I have prepared your food. Bless me. Isaac's like, I just did that. He's like, no, who, who, what do you mean? I, I am Esau, your son. And, and if you remember back to the beginning of chapter 27, Isaac is dying. He is blind. All of his senses are failing him. When it comes time to bless Jacob, or to bless Jacob, who he thinks is Esau, he says, This man sounds like Jacob, but he feels like Esau. They put him on a a costume to, to mimic his brother. They put his clothes on him so he smells like his brother. His mother has prepared the food. But here he gets the truth, reality, the real thing. And there's no question at who this is. This is Esau. But if this is Esau, then what did I just do? And that moment hits. It's like lightning striking. Oh no. Isaac realizes he's been deceived. And Isaac responds. um, Our text tells us Isaac trembled very violently at the realization of what took place. And I love when scholars do this, Uh, they uh, admit here the Hebrew here is hard to translate. But the best we can do in our English is Isaac trembled very violently. But what is being conveyed here is not just some like uh, the air comes on and you get that like that that shake that goes through your body and like oh that I didn't know that was coming. This is a stirring to the core of his being. This is a from the heart and the depths of his soul. His body reacts at response to what has happened. He is shaken to the core of who He is. I love what Calvin says of this moment, this response from Isaac. It is no common fear which Moses describes, but that which utterly confounds the holy man. I would argue that this is his response for two reasons. One, Isaac opens his eyes spiritually and realizes he has been fighting against the will of God this whole time. You've got the man of God, the man of blessing, the one whom the blessing is to continue through. It's to go forward through Abraham, through Isaac, now through Jacob. And he is insistent, I will bless Esau. I will bless Esau. He will be the man of blessing. He will be the one that I will promote. He will be the future of my family. When God has said no all along, God, through that scene of deception, Jacob is blessed. And now Isaac comes to terms with I have offended God. Real quick, let me pause. Does your sin so convict you that you have offended God that it shakes you to the core of your being? When we sin, is this our response? For all of his faults, Isaac here shows us a true character of a true Christian. This is how sin should be. work in our lives. At the mere idea that we've offended God, it should shake us to our core. My, my mind goes to um, Paul in Acts 26, 14, where we're told that Paul was kicking against the goads. I'll be honest, my mind goes to Johnny Cash who sings Acts 26, 14, when we kick against the will of God, it hurts. When we fight and push against God, there is pain. There is anguish. There is sorrow. There is sadness. And so we see this in this man of God, this just moment of, oh no, what have I done? And so that's one of the emotions we see come out of Isaac here. And the second one, I would argue, we see his resolve. He, he, is, he is shaken to the core of his being because he has done something that which is wrong, and now he seeks to make it right. So we see here in response to this moment, Isaac trembled violently, very violently, and said, Who was it that hunted the game and brought it to me and ate it before you? And I have blessed him. That's the question. Realizing where he made a mistake, he now seeks to make it right. Yes, and he shall be blessed. That's a statement. He will be blessed. He will be the blessed one. He will be the son of righteousness. He will be the one that continues my legacy because God has said so. And so we see this, this, this crushing of his heart because of the weight of his sin and we see this resolve to do that which is right. But what does this do for Esau? What does this do for the brother that's standing there? In Isaac, it's kind of this nice redemption. We're like, all right, you're back on track. There you go. We're getting you back where you need to be. But what about the brother? What about the brother standing there? Well, he acts just like his father. As soon as Esau heard the words, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. I want you to notice the difference between Isaac and between Esau. While it's more implied here, we do see Isaac is stricken to the core of his being. His mind goes to what God has said and God's will. But where does Esau go? Does he go to repentance? Does he seek the Lord? Does he ask, how have I offended you, O my God? Or does he become insistent here on his rights? Oh no, you're going to bless me, Father. You bless me, even me. I deserve this. I demand this. I am owed this. So much so, he, he starts lashing out at everybody and everything. He, he mocks his brother's name. Is he not rightly named Jacob? Which you could translate as usurper. He has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my Blessing. The problem with these is they never belonged to him in the first place. The Lord at the birth said, Jacob will rule over his family. To him it will be the leadership and the ownership of the blessing and of the household. Esau wrongly interprets the Word of God, demands his status, and seeks his gain above all else. He demands of his father, bless me, father. And that didn't happen in these times. The one blessing, the blessing of inheritance happened once. There's nothing left to give. He's given Jacob everything. But Esau, bless me, bless me, bless me, is insistent. So so Isaac kind of utters this anti-blessing here. Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be. You're not going to have abundance. Away from the dew of heaven on high, you will be far from the kingdom of heaven. By your sword shall you live. You will live in violence and will have to work hard and shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. It is a, a blessing of subjection. It is a blessing of your life is going to be difficult and there will be pain and struggle and strife He was insistent, give me a blessing. And and from the Lord through Isaac, he got his blessing. But it is not what he expected and it is not what he wanted. We almost find ourselves at this point sympathetic with Esau, don't we? In some ways, we could argue he has been cheated. Humanly speaking, of course. He seems to be sorrowful. And he he seems to to weep here with much tears and much sadness. This is where the whole counsel of God comes into play, though. We go forward. Hebrews chapter twelve. Hebrews chapter twelve actually tells us what's going on in Esau's heart right now. We get from God the reality that you don't necessarily see here. Is he repentant? Is he humble? Is he submitting to God? Hebrews 12, verse 16 says, do not be unholy like Esau. The man of God is a holy man. Do not be unholy like Esau. And then it goes on in verse 17, you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. You could read that as, he chose not to repent. He did not repent. He could not nor he would not repent, though he cried many tears. He is sorrowful here because he feels cheated. He's lost something. There's been something taken from him. There, There is a remorse that I've gotten caught that I didn't get what I wanted. But there's not, I have sinned against God. And so what is replaced in his life? Not joy, not those fruit of the Spirit we prayed for earlier, but bitterness and hatred and anger and vengeance. That's the cost of sin. That's what sin does for us. And if left unchecked, it will build and grow and lead to greater and greater degrees of sin. And that's what we find here in the next couple of verses. And I think um, a good way to describe this and to think about sin, it's like any addiction... After a while, it is unsatisfied with the simple lies, anger, deception, and has to grow. It has to seek a new avenue. It has to seek a new course. Sin, if left unchecked, will grow to greater and greater acts. Esau has gone against the will of God, has shunned God, has shown a lack of respect for his father, and now turns toward anger toward his brother. Verse 41 tells us, Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother. Notice the escalation here. Esau feels cheated. He feels like he was robbed. But instead of seeking the Lord's favor and forgiveness... He seeks revenge. And we've been in Genesis for many, many weeks now. Does this sound like someone else to you? Does this sound like someone way back, 23 chapters earlier? It's the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel go to give an offering unto the Lord. Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's was rejected, and he grew bitter the Lord comes to him and says, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Instead of seeking that, Cain kills his brother Abel. And if you remember, when we went forward in the story of Genesis and we read through those genealogies and we look at the genealogy of Cain just a a little bit further forward, what are they known for? What is the bloodline of Cain known for? Murder. Murder and vengeance, and wrath. So much so they brag about the sin that they commit. Sin escalates. Sin grows if left unchecked. It seeks a greater and greater avenue. Esau, what a sad state of affairs. His father is dying. Says as soon as that takes place, I will kill my brother. I've watched enough crime shows. know this is called premeditated. It has been thought out. It has been designed and planned. He probably had it down to the minute detail of how he was going to do it. And he ran it over and over and over in his mind. And, and in my opinion, that's the greater sin here. We see that in this next section. Um, the word of what's taken place uh, goes to Rebecca. Rebecca, she, she's got ears everywhere as all mothers do. And it comes to her uh, that Esau is making this plan. And she grabs Jacob and she says, Jacob, behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. I want you to think about this. Esau is in such an enraged, angry, um, vengeance state that he takes the plan to kill his brother and it sits there publicly. It's before everyone. So much so his own mother gets wind of it. I got a picture uh, in, in an old um, a cartoon or an old show with that, that villain. They always have one eye for some reason. And then there's that cat that also has one eye. And they're just sitting there. And the face of the villain is the face of the cat. And the villain just sitting there petting the cat. And then whoever the main you know, protagonist is, there's that, there's that one. And then there's something for the cat too to, to fight against, a mouse or a dog or something. I'm thinking of cartoons. But this is what Esau's doing with sin. He's keeping it close. And he's petting it and working it over and thinking about it and reflecting on it and feeding it and channeling it. And it's just a matter of time. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I don't care who knows. I don't care who sees. I don't care what's happening. Isaac dies, he's dead too. That's what sin does. It takes root in our hearts and it plants itself there. And much like trying to get a cat off of anything, it will not budge. And I want you to see something else. Look at the cost this has on their family. Look at the cost of letting sin grow. Letting bitterness and sorrow and vengeance grow. Isaac's dying. And he is grieved at what he's done. His last days, his last moments are on this earth. A time when you want to spend with family. You want to have them close. And you want to share moments and and, and opportunities. And you want to interact. But he is ashamed of what he has done. The mother, Rebecca. Has to constantly be vigilant to hear word of whispers and scheme and plan and organize and sometimes subvert the will of her husband to protect the son. Esau has become so bitter that he's willing to create or to enact murder. And then you've got Jacob. The, 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 the promised son, the one who was to be blessed, who should be a source of joy in the house. So one that when you spoke of him, oh, praise God that the blessings of Abraham have continued. And yet, depending on who you ask, his name's either a curse word of one spo- or one spoken out of fear. It's like, oh, no, not poor Jacob. What is going to happen to him? And as you do that, as we think about this, I want you to think about it in terms of your own lives. Because whether you recognize it or not, whether you appreciate it or not, this is what sin does to all of us. Sin takes root in our hearts and our lives. It changes the way we think about other people, the way we carry out actions, the way we interact neurologically. It can affect the way our brains function if we just let it sit and fester. And so I may this passage warn us this morning. May we not keep sin as pet peeves and pet projects. May we instead look to the words of the Lord such as Proverbs 27, verse 5. Better is the open rebuke than a hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry everything bitter is sweet. May we seek the truth. May we seek God's love and God's forgiveness, and although there may be pain in it. I mean, can you imagine the confession that it would have taken here to bring restoration for Esau to go to Isaac and go, Isaac, or I mean Esau to go to Jacob and go, Jacob, I've been so mad at what's happened. I've wanted to murder you. I've planned it out and detailed it to the last detail and got the date on the calendar circled and read and I've got it ready to go and everything's laid out. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Can, can you picture that, that, that family meeting? Can you picture the family meeting where Rebecca goes to Isaac and says, I've been lying and scheming and planning and usurping your authority as my husband of, for many years now to protect my son that I love more than the one you love? Can you imagine that family meeting? But wouldn't there be greater love and respect and forgiveness and peace then versus what we see here? And the answer is Absolutely. Absolutely. But what's beautiful in all of this, and again, I told you, chapter 27 is a tough chapter because it's a a chapter of the sinfulness of man through and through and through. And yet, and yet, we have to conclude where we did last week, same point as we did last week, God's will is done. His will is done despite our faults, our failures, our shortcomings. Because we have Rebecca doing the same thing she did last week, Plotting and scheming to accomplish what she sees as the right path forward. And what is the right path forward to her but to get rid of her son? Again, let's look at those pain points again. This is what this cost this, is this family feud. She's now having to exile a son to save his life. She says to Jacob, Therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Just go for a little bit. Just for a little while. Just just get out of here for a little bit of time. Everything will be okay. Little know knows was going to take at least 20 more years. And there's going to be some payment on Jacob's part. But this is the seriousness of the matter. Esau's not just daydreaming about killing his brother. He's got it down to the point that he is going to carry it out. And so Rebecca goes to her husband. And she has a choice. She can tell him. I'm afraid for Jacob's life. Esau is angry, is bitter, is vengeful. He seeks to kill his brother and to take his property and possessions. But she doesn't. She doesn't do that. In some way, she acts in deception again. Oh, those Hittite women. Aren't they awful? Aren't they awful, Isaac? Now, to be fair, they were awful. We know by reading through this narrative, we go back to verse 35 of chapter 26, or even verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Biri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemith, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. So Rebekah goes to Isaac and she says, now, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of Hittite women. We've got to do something for Jacob so that he can find a better wife. Now, there's some disagreement amongst the commentators here. Is she being... Protective and speaking truthful in some ways, yes, she is. The Hittite women have caused trouble for the sake of their household. We know that for Isaac, Abraham went to great lengths to help pick a godly wife for him. That didn't work out for Esau, and maybe it'd be so for Jacob. Or is Rebekah seeking to promote Jacob, her favorite son, trying to seek his gain and benefit here, maybe a little bit, but I want to be careful that we don't overly judge her motives here, because that's hard to do to know her heart in this matter. But what we do know, the will of the Lord, was that Jacob be the son of blessing, that through him the promises made to Abraham would continue. And what does that require? Two things. We've said that before in this in this study. One, that he lives. You, you cannot promote a blessing if you're dead. Two. To promote a blessing specific to the blessing of Abraham, which is your children will worship me, you need children. At this point in his life, what does he need? A wife. And so despite all that's going on, the bitterness, the pain, the anger, the vengeance, the deception, yet again we see the will of God being accomplished. It took the threat of his brother murdering him, but Jacob will be sent to Laban. He will go work there For many years, he will find a godly wife. Wives. But God's will is done. Jacob is protected. And his will goes forth. Now, really quickly, a couple of points of application I want to make. One thing I really want us to see as we look at this passage, and we look at it as a whole and reflect upon it. We have got to fear and hate sin. We have got to stop treating sin and, and certain sins and we all, those all would be particular to us. They're not that bad. They're not hurting anyone. I can get away with it. No one knows. It's not like someone else. I'm not a murderer. I just habitually lie. See the pain of this chapter. Look at the little sins, the deceptions, the oh, it won't hurt anyone and see how it brings this family to shambles. We cannot keep sin as a pet. We, can't, we must seek to rid it in all areas of our lives. A husband and a father is dying. The family is fractured. One son is bitter and the other is outcast. That's what sin does. And so if I could encourage you in any way, it would be hate sin. But secondly, I want you to walk away from this chapter and see God's grace and mercy. God's will is done. Jacob doesn't deserve blessing and favor. He's not a hero here. God's blessing is upon him. In fact, it's blessing upon him despite himself. Everyone sought to to work against it, except his mother. But in time, Jacob will rest and hope in the Lord. In time, the Lord will restore the relationship between the two brothers. What I don't want us to do though is come to this conclusion, which some wrongly do. God's will will be done. Therefore, let me do what I want. This is not an instructive chapter. I can sin like Isaac. I can sin like Rebecca. I can sin like Jacob and Esau and God's will is going to work out anyway. That is not what's going on here and that's not how we should view God's sovereignty. Rather, we should see, I will seek God's will Because think of the joy, the blessings, the peace, the contentment that this family would have had had they from the beginning said, I will seek the Lord. But now see where they are, see the cost of it, and yet see how God's weaving throughout all of it His plan to go forth to promote His people, to protect them and to purify them. Through pain, yes, but ultimately He will be glorified. It's my prayer for you this day. So now let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, may we hate sin in our lives. Lord, may we seek to rid it out. You call it sanctification, the process by which we are made more and more after the image of Christ and reject more and more the image of this world. Help us to know Your Word, to love Your Word, to treasure Your Word, to find its truths, And live them out. Oh God, we need You more than we need anything else in this world. Help us, Father. And Father, where there is a potential to do things Your way and have pain and struggle, or do it the way of the world, and maybe there's temporary peace, but ultimately there will be turmoil, may we seek You. Father, we need You. We need Jesus Christ. So Father, I pray that this passage would long remain in our minds and our hearts. Use it this week to work in us and through us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.